that. Let's bring in Jamie McLennan, now, co-host of Overdrive and and uh, the former goaltender, as we are well aware, and of course, uh, uh, analyst on, on many of the Leafs and Sens games, among others. Jamie, how are you today, sir? Not too bad. How you doing, Tatman? Uh, let me check. Everything's good here, and yeah. all the juices are flowing because <laughs> they're back, and there's just so much to deal with here. There's there's no question ab- about that. So as as you go into your your camp sort of mode with this team, where are you? I mean, in terms of what they've done all year in the off season with the acquisitions, and certainly that that rotating battle on the left side. What what is the key point for you? Well, like you said, there's there's a couple things to unpack for me. Obviously. Um, they ended the season in a disappointment. Fan base, everyone in that dress room, everyone in that organization, and it it stinks. So you you have to make it through the off season. You have to work out hard and get your mind right. Uh, you know, Kyle has shuffled the deck a little bit. He hasn't changed the core, which uh, he said that he's going to stand by that and and believes in them. So good on him. But uh, there's lots of question marks because. When you look at the left side, you know, with uh, guys like Hyman and Felino leaving, uh, Freddie Anderson leaving, those leave big holes. And those are holes of not only quality players, but, you know, quality people in the dressing room. So you're bringing in new guys to try and steal those jobs or, you know, settle into those jobs. And they have to acclimate themselves to this climate very quickly and settle into the group. So there are question marks, but, you know, I didn't think anything would be said today that would be out of the ordinary. You know, Kyle's going to say, hey, you know what, these guys know what what is at stake, and the players are saying all the right things. Unfortunately, they just have to go out and do it. And and as a, a fan and, and somebody in the media on the outside, nobody's believing anything until you see the product. You know, unfortunately, Tapman, we're, we're going to be talking about this for a long time because – they had a fantastic regular season last year. They didn't really have any bumps in the road. You know, no. for the most part, they were in first place in the Northern Division for pretty much the whole season. And then they, they hit the ditch uh, up 3-1 against Montreal, and they really they had about a, a bad week. That's really what they had in last season, but it was at the wrong time. And how do you make up for that? Well, you've got to, right from the drop of the puck, be a focus group. So that's what I'm looking for right now. You know, in a funny sort of way, and it was an altered state, you could look at last season as three games at Edmonton, three games against Montreal, and, and somewhere, because the contrast of those six games is so remarkably drastic, somewhere in between is the real story, isn't it? Sure. Now, you win, you win three games in Edmonton, and I think people were very excited about that, going, you know what, Edmonton's a really good team, um, but the Leafs won kind of the right way. You know, you're, yeah. you played well, good defensively. There's shutouts. There's three different goalies that played, for crying out loud. That's the crazy part. Like, we forgot that Hutchinson played a game in there, too. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's a good benchmark. And and in in the end, Edmonton ended up five points behind the Leafs in the standings. So, you know, you can point to that series. But there were other things throughout the season where, you know, maybe they they had some resilience or just kind of scored their way out of it or their top players grabbed the team and was like, yeah, not tonight. We're, we're going to win this game even though we're not having a game. Um, there were some positives and negatives throughout the whole season. But, you know, ultimately the, the biggest challenge is, is when – they got pushed back um, 
you know, they did their big boys didn't really respond, and that's unfortunate because you know you are going to get pushed in the playoffs. You are going to be pushed at certain situations, and I know. Listen, the injury to John Tavares had a ripple effect. It really does. You take one of the, your best players, your captain, out of the lineup in in such a, a a jarring fashion. I don't know where you were when you were watching it. I was sitting on oh, my couch, yeah. and. I stood up. I don't know why. I'm usually a pretty mellow guy watching games and stuff. But watching that, I I stood up and kind of went for like a walk watching the TV to see how he was going to be. So I can't imagine, you know, being in that building, you know, having to battle back. And, and, and I'm not using that as an excuse whatsoever. You know, injuries happen all the time. But, you know, it was a, a jarring injury at a really tough time. And, you know, that's a voice they probably could have used in the dressing room in those last three games when Montreal ended up coming back in the series. Yeah, I mean, clearly, it made everybody on the ice sick to their stomach. I mean, the pit of your stomach was, and anybody watching would have felt the same. So it had a jarring effect on on both rosters, and and certainly for the Leafs, that, you know, very early in that series, that's a fork in the road. They did overcome it, but I I think I I would agree with you. When push came to shove at the end, they needed JT to help them get through those three games where they just couldn't find it. Yeah, you needed guys like that. You needed somebody... Um, and I'm not just like I, I look through the league all the time and Edmonton was in the same scenario. Edmonton was playing pretty well against Winnipeg. Like You forget they got swept, but three of them, uh, I believe, were in overtime. Like those were games that could have gone either way. And the, the one game where they were up four to one and they couldn't find a way to get it done. And, you know, leadership is a big thing. You know, been there, done that type of stuff. When you, you see Edmonton brings in a guy like Duncan Keith, a lot of that is for the room. A lot of that is for leadership. A lot of that is to settle down a, a young defensive core and a bench when maybe things are reeling. And, you know, John Tavares would have, you know, might have been that voice on the bench to settle guys down or, or dig in himself in a, in a scenario where it was getting away from them. But ultimately, you know, Tatman, we, we look at this team. Uh, we look at Matthews. We look at Marner. Uh, I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried about William Nylander or, or John Tavares. What I am worried about is after those guys. Who is going to you know, contribute to the depth of this group consistently so that it just doesn't fall on three or four guys every night? And if they don't get it done, then then they have no chance of winning. And that's where you've got an opportunity for guys like Nick Ritchie and Andre Cache and you know, uh, um, you know the left side, Nick Robertson to step up. I don't know if any of these PTOs will be worth anything. The Gusev kid is a, a pretty good player, I, I think. Uh, Hoseng is a, a storied player, but I, I don't know if he's got anything at the NHL level consistently. But the, there'll be some answers que- or some questions answered uh, very soon here with training camp and how it unfolds. Yeah, I mean the the PTO guys, Gusev specifically. I mean they're not tied to the Leafs, so so somebody could offer them a contract, and the Leafs would, would don't have any say. All they could do is counter it if they want to, or or just let them go. So I mean that's right. that's sort of a long range thing. I, I'm interested on the left side because Kasha, you said Richie, uh, Bunting, uh, and 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 Robertson, and, and there's others. I don't know exactly long term where Kerfoot fits in. There, there's a lot of sort of possibilities here what is what is a, a dream scenario for you a dream scenario is somebody that finds chemistry with that top six group right away now yeah. 
you know, we know that most of the league is in pairs. So if you're looking at Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Nylander, what those guys need is a complement, a complementary player that can get them the puck, that can't be an anchor. And, and I know we love Joe Thornton, but I thought there were nights where Joe Thornton was an anchor instead of somebody who helped that line. And it's unfortunate. You know, the speed of the line was at a lot different pace than Joe. Joe's a thinker. He likes to slow the game down. He likes to control the puck and distribute. And, you know, when you looked at uh, him playing with Austin and Mitch, especially kind of down the stretch, those guys were at a different level as far as pace. And, you know, it, it, it didn't work, you know, most nights. They were trying to find a spot for him. So, you know, I look at chemistry early on. Like, Bunting can skate, and he's, and he's a guy who's a bit of an agitator and likes to go to the net. So is he uh, a poor man's Zach Hyman? You know, is he a guy that, you know, left-handed shot, naturally can play the left side, go in there and get the puck and, and know his role to just get, get the, the skilled guys on his line the puck? Can Nick Ritchie do that? He's a big body, and he's 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 a little bit what this team has been dying for nightly. You know, when you look at Felino, Felino's a, a class quality player. He didn't really settle in as a Leaf um, because of the injury, but you know, I look at uh, Nick Ritchie as kind of a wild card because he's big, he's mean, and he can play on the power play. He's got some hands, and 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 he can play physical and and buy some space for his line mates. So he's a guy that I circle as to could be a real wild card on that left side, depending on who he settles in with, whether it's Tavares and Nylander, or if he gets a look with Matthews and Marner. You know, I, I, I'm going to go back to the left side again. I mean, sure. really looking for slivers of Zach Hyman and, and everybody. A guy who p- plays with pace, good puck pursuit, good compete level. Um, is this kind of a like a, a different version of a left-wing lock? Um, it, 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 well, yeah, I mean, from a systematic approach, what you do, I mean, left wing lock, especially in the neutral zone is just where you force in the puck. But I, I look at it as if that's the side, if, if your left winger is going to be that type of player, then really it's, it's how you settle in with the group because it doesn't absolve Nylander for going and winning a loose puck battle in the corner. That's still his job. Uh, John Tavares is as strong on the puck as anybody in the National Hockey League. He's he's a horse, and he wins loose puck battles all the time, and he's got a strong stick. It's, it's about how that player settles in with those guys on that particular night and from a chemistry standpoint. There were nights that Galchenyuk looked like he he was all right playing with yeah. them. He looked like he had some confidence. He looked like he... Um, you know, wanted to settle in and do some grunt work for those guys. And then, unfortunately, what happens with Galchenyuk, and, uh, you know, I think the Leafs saw it too, is there were one or two critical mental errors that Galchenyuk would allow, allow to creep in his game. And, unfortunately, it was, one was the turnover to Caulfield yeah. in overtime in the playoffs, uh, which was a, a really poor decision to to curl back and make that play. But there were other other little things that you could see that Galchenyuk had these habits in his game that they, you know, when you've got a shortened season and you pick a guy up and you put him in the minors and then have him come up, like they couldn't really work those habits out in practice. You kind of had to let it uh, 
uh, unfold in the game. And unfortunately, uh, you know, that's what you're trying to find in these new players is maybe it's, you know, a little bit like Zach Hyman, but it's just consistency. I think you just want, hey, I know exactly what I'm going to get from that player every night. And Tatman, we saw it in the offseason, and I don't know if that's a slight on the league, but some of these guys who play consistent games were were paid. Barkley Goudreau, the Rangers, yeah. overpaid for him. Uh, Blake Coleman goes to Calgary. You know, that would be viewed as a slight overpay on term. Um, and then you look at Zach Hyman going to Edmonton. These players aren't, you know, 100-point players, but what they were is consistent players. And teams were yeah. looking for good quality people to add into their lineup that could add to the depth of their group. Edmonton, I know, wanted that consistency. Same thing with Calgary, Blake Coleman, who's really good on the penalty kill and can play a top-six role and actually can play his offside as a left-handed shot. And same thing with Goudreau, a big, mean guy. Uh, the Rangers wanted to address their lack of physicality and lack of accountability with the teams that they play against. You add a guy like Goudreau, you add a guy like Ryan Reeves, nobody's going to push around the Rangers anymore. So that's the type of thing that they were uh, they identified and I think the Leafs are trying to identify what they need on that left side to settle in with those that top six group. Okay, let's go to between the pipes, the tandem. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, if you look at Freddie Anderson, if you line Freddie Anderson up, Jack Campbell, and Peter Morazic, personally I think Freddie Anderson is the best goaltender if we were just looking at the goalie. But that doesn't mean anything. Freddie yeah. Anderson has had injury issues. He had consistency issues, and they were, you know, they weren't going to fit him into the cap situation as well. So um, Jack Campbell had a fantastic kind of—I don't want to say breakout year, but a breakthrough, especially in this market. Loved, uh, uh, you know, had the streak, all of that. Very likable person. Uh, settle into the dressing room right away. Morazic's a fiery goaltender who can be streaky, but he's a skilled guy too. So I like the tandem. I think there's going to be times where we, as a fan base and in the media, will argue as to who should be starting because either one guy's struggling or and the other guy's playing well or vice versa. But it's a good problem to have until you get to the playoffs and then one guy kind of has to run with it. But you you gotta you gotta sort that out before you get to the playoffs. But I, I like the tandem. Uh, I thought if you were gonna move past Frederick Anderson, Morazic would have been a good fit. Um, price point wasn't too high, the term wasn't too high, so I think Kyle did a real good job identifying what the group needed. And also it, it put some pressure on Jack Campbell, because I personally don't think Jack's a sixty game starter. That's no slight on him. We don't see too many sixty game starters in the league anymore. And I, I think as a tandem, you're going to see both guys play something with a four in it, you know, 45, 48, maybe yeah. somebody gets to 50, but it's, it's going to be a traditional tandem situation. And I think that's healthy for the Leafs. Yeah, at this point, whatever works. There's no really prescription for that. I wanted to ask you about uh, Campbell just because he did talk about uh, uh, strengthening in the off season. So given his, his injury history, what, what would that entail, do you think? Well, a lot of it is core. So uh, when you look at strengthening your core and your hip flexors and everything that comes with your body, I don't know what was nagging Jack as far as an injury last year. You could tell some nights that... You know, and he was doing a little bit of load management and stuff. Uh, you know, it certainly points to hip, groin, knee, that type of stuff, lower body injury. Um, 
when you strengthen that, all it does is is help you bounce back after games and and makes you more confident in your, in the position. So that if you need to stretch to make a player push hard to get there, um, you have the core to back it up. And I look at a guy like Mike Smith. A couple of years ago, I thought he was close to being done his career, and he worked really hard in the offseason on his core to stabilize his game, and he had one of his best seasons last year for the Edmonton Oilers. And and when you look at goaltenders and, and their bodies, a lot of it has to stem from the core and what they're doing uh, nowadays. So I, I think Jack Campbell talking about strengthening his body, it's a good scenario because you if you feel strong, you're going to feel confident in the net. Uh, one other question, and this is the elephant in the room for me. I, I, I tend to make a lot out of this. You may disagree. Uh, the Morgan Riley situation. I mean, clearly, he's a number one defenseman on this team, and at some point next summer, somebody's going to decide he's a number one defenseman on their team if they're lucky to sign him, and that you know what that dollar figure is. Uh, how right. precarious is this for you? A couple levels to this, or layers to it. Um it's precarious because you're looking around the league and you're starting to go, okay, is, is this is player X a comparable? You know, where, where is he compared to Darnell Nurse in Edmonton or Seth Jones or Zach Wierenski? And, you know, I know some of these guys are at different stages of their career and may have a little bit different type of trajectory. But, you know, Darlene just signing in Buffalo, you know, three times six. So you're, you're looking at, first and foremost price point on how Morgan is, how is he going to fit into your cap? Secondly, he's got Team Canada, I would imagine, on in his sights as well because that left side, I think Shea Theodore is going to be there, and I think it's kind of an open book after that with Nurse and Riley and, you know, um, um, you know guys like that who can, can really push for a, a job, but... Uh, so I'm looking at him having, if he needs to have a great season so that the Leafs can play well, he can go deep into the playoffs, also earn himself a contract, and also try and play on Team Canada. So I don't know if it's a lot of pressure on Morgan. He's a fantastic person and a great leader, but you know, there's certainly it's certain, certainly something to track because I think he's got a lot on his plate this year as well as the disappointment uh, that everyone is living right now of, of what they went through last year. So it's certainly something to, to track all season because I think Morgan uh, uh, has a lot to play for this year. Do you think that the Leafs missed an opportunity to control this situation by not getting them under contract by now? I mean, they, they could have taken, the, the like the other guys, they could have tacked on the new salary to, to next year and not have it affect this year's cap. Uh, I yes and no, but I the only un, thing I would say is I'm not privy to the conversations behind the scenes. So, you know, we don't know if right. if they had approached him and said, "Hey, what do you think about this?" and and you know, I I think the Leafs wisely, if they are negotiating with him, it's behind closed doors that hasn't leaked, and that's uh, that's good for them because, as you know, in this market, uh, anything that goes public will be on steroids, and it becomes a distraction. And we have seen yeah. some contract negotiations that have been distractions for this organization the last couple of years with, you know, Marner and, and Nylander. Come, that's recency uh, of what I'm talking about. But I, I think, Morgan, if they did try to do that and it just wasn't a fit, you got to figure out a way that, to do it in the back channels instead of uh, – taking it public because as we know sometimes taking it public can can be a massive distraction 
Jamie, thanks very much. Nice to reconnect, buddy. Absolutely, buddy. Thanks for having me.